morning. Uh, today's reading will be from Deuteronomy 6, 1 through 9. If you're reading from the Blue Pew Bible, you can find today's reading on page 151. Please rise for the reading of God's holy and inerrant word. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 1 through 9. Now this is the commandment, the statutes and the rules that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you, that you may do them in the land to which you are going over to possess it, that you may fear the Lord your God, you and your son and your son's son, by keeping all his statutes and his commandments, which I command you all the days of your life, and that your days may be long. Hear therefore, O Israel, and be careful to do them, that it may go well with you, and that you may multiply greatly, as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you, in a land flowing with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. This is the word of the Lord. Uh, please be seated. Our present uh, preaching series is uh, called Building the Vision, Leaving a Legacy. We want a vision that make a lasting impact into the next generation. We have talked about who we are, that we are an urban Chinese heritage church in central Houston here that reaches all those in our lives, Chinese or otherwise. And then in the next four weeks, we'll look at how are we going to go about reaching this community that God has placed us in. We'll be doing, what, what will we be doing to be successful in propagating the gospel? Well, there are three specific areas that we want to focus on, namely equipping, Sending and planting. Today I'll be talking about equipping, namely equipping disciple-making families. As we come to the end of baseball season, the playoff is just around the corner. Our home team, the Houston Astro is leading the American League Conference. And, you know, for many years, my dear wife, Ellie, was not very interested in sports. However, I love sports. And because she knows that I love that, she decided to learn about baseball. Well, I explained some of the basic things to her about hitting and pitching as well as some key elements for success. And one of the keys is to have consistent pitching with starting pitchers as well as relief 
pictures. This year, the Astros has one of the best pitching staff in all of baseball. And as a result, they have been successful. And we have become one of the best teams in baseball. In our text this morning in Deuteronomy chapter 6, Moses spells out how we are going, how, how the Israelites can be successful as they enter into the promised land. Now, before I jump into the passage, I, I want to give you some context. As you remember, back in Exodus, the, Mo, uh, the Hebrew people grew greatly in number, and God blessed them abundantly. Pharaoh at that time felt threatened by them and made them slaves. Because of their call to God for help, God sent Moses to deliver his people out of Egypt and to bring them to the promised land that he promised to Abraham. God performed numerous miracles to show his authority as the only God there is, and his authority over all the Egyptian gods. However, the Israelites did not trust God. But they complained, and they grumbled. And because of their constant unbelief in the Lord, God disciplined them by directing them into the wilderness. And they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. Years. And we now come in Deuteronomy here at the end of that 40 years. And, and Moses was preparing his people to enter into the promised land. And here we are, Deuteronomy chapter 6, where Moses spells out how the Israelites can be successful as they enter into the promised land. If you have your Bibles, please turn to Deuteronomy chapter 6. We'll begin with looking at verses 1 and 2. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. And it reads, Now this is the commandment, the statutes, and the rules that the Lord your God commands me to teach you, that you may do them in the land to which you are going over, to possess it, that you may fear the Lord your God, you and your sons, and your sons' sons, by keeping all his statutes and his commandments, which I command you all the days of your life, that your days may be long. Here God commanded Moses to teach God's commandments to the Israelites. See, at Mount Sinai, God gave his people the law. Well, they were taught how to build a relationship with God as well as to how to build relationship with those that are around them. And a summary of the whole law is found in the Ten Commandments. Where we see the first four laws focuses on building relationship with God. And the final six commandments focuses on building relationship with others that are around us. Now, God wants Moses 
to teach the Israelite the law, which is God's word. It is the blueprint in living a fulfilled life. Now, there's two purposes why Moses is to teach God's word. The first purpose is so that they will obey them. He makes it very clear that it is not the purpose of just passing information to them, but rather that they are to do them in the land. It's not enough to know God's word, but we need to practice it. This principle of obedience to God's word is repeated over and over and over again in the first three verses here in chapter 6. Moses said in verse 1, it says, that you may do them, verse 2, by keeping all his statutes and his commandments. And in verse 3, be careful to do them. It's not until we apply God's word will we truly experience transformation. Now, going to church, attending small group, going to Sunday school is all good. But we will not be transformed until we take God's word to heart and practice it. During my premarital counseling, I explained that marriages are falling apart, not only among non-Christians, but also among Christians. There are two reasons, I believe, why Christians' marriages are falling apart. One is because they're not taught what the Bible teaches concerning about married life. And secondly, for those that have been taught They have not put it into practice. It's one thing to know about God's word, and yet it is another to practice it. It's not easy. We need the Lord to help us be careful to do them. There's another purpose for teaching the law to the Israelite, and that's that they that they and their future generation will fear God. We see this in the beginning of verse 2. It says that you may fear the Lord, your God, you and your son and your son's son. God not only expects them to obey God's word, but to fear the Lord. What does it mean to fear the Lord? Fearing the Lord is to revere him, to, to, to be at all about who God is. Too often we take God for granted and only go to him when we're in trouble. Reason why is because we really know about God and not really know God personally. Really, as we come to know him more, the more we will value him. And the more we will fear God. It's not enough to know God intellectually, but we need to experience God. 
You know, during the past several months while I've been away uh, caring for my elderly parents, it's been very difficult. It's been very stressful. I had to deal with, um, with not only family issues, but also there has been various church issues. And I've been exhausted physically and emotionally. It's caused me to see more clearly my inadequacy and how I really need God. That He is the all-powerful God. He's the God who is sovereign and in control. He is the one that loves me and cares for me and wants the very best for me. God has helped me to see the sun beyond the dark clouds. Many times we are anxious over so many things, and many of those things are really out of our control. May we pray and ask God for wisdom to do those things that are within our control. And yet, there are many things that are out of our control. And we need to turn to the Lord. We need to depend on Him as we fear God. You know, there's no shortcuts in experiencing God personally unless we really spend time connecting with the Lord. And one of the best ways is to spend regular time with the Lord. The Word reveal who God is. And one of the best places to understand who God is is in the book of Psalms. I encourage you to check that out. You know, as we read God's word daily, we need to also meditate upon it, not just something that we check off. That, that, that it's not how much we go through, but, but, but how God's word takes hold of us. And as a result, we'll have more confidence to go before him with our uncertainties. And actually, the more difficult the problems that we might have, the more opportunity God can shine on our behalf. God wants to display his glory. And may we recognize our inadequacy and God's infinite adequacy as we learn to fear him. Let's take a look at uh, verse 2 again and uh, see what many might tend to overlook. Again, I like to read that again. That you may fear the Lord your God, that you and your sons and your sons' sons. Notice who is to fear the Lord. It says you. Well, yes, we understand that. It says your son. But really surprisingly, it's the next couple of words. It says your son's sons. We are responsible in passing the faith to the next two generations. Your son, your children, and your children's children. For some, we cannot wait until our kids turn 18 so they get out of the house. 
and they get. But we have responsibility as parents to be the primary spiritual influencers of our family. We are to obey and fear God. And we are to teach our children to obey and fear God. And we are not to stop there. We are to also partner with our children to influence our grandchildren to obey and fear God. We are responsible in equipping our children and our grandchildren. May we be intentional in making a difference in the future generation. The church, our church, also recognized the importance of the next generations. Many churches are dying. Members are just getting older. They're not reaching the next generation. I thank God that we have been growing our next generation. You know, I took uh, the prayer guide, and if you haven't got one, you should pick one up uh, in the office, uh, pictures of all the members, and, and I, I just counted how many kids we have, particularly those that are under six. I counted about 60 kids. There is a baby boom that's taking place. Now, part of our present vision is to expand our facilities so that we might better minister to the families. Families are a critical part of our society today. Everyone desires a loving marriage and a loving families. However, only very few are experiencing it. Many do not even have any idea how to have an intimate family. Many are coming to the church to learn how. We at XCC is committed to equipping couples to have intimate marriage. And we are also committed to equipping parents to train up their children to believe in the Lord Jesus and to follow his word. This year, we have started some um, marriage mentors for young couples. Uh, we have also set up dad's accountability group to train dads so that they could be a stronger spiritual leader. We have equipped parents through Faith Path teaching them how to train their children as they grow from toddler to college. We want to expand our facilities so that we can better meet families in our community. As we look in the next couple of verses, in the latter part of verse 2 and verse 3, it describes three results in obeying and fearing God. And it reads, by keeping all his statutes and his commandments, which I command you all the days of your life, and that your days may be long. Hear, therefore, O Lord, and be careful to do them, that it may go well with you, and that you may multiply greatly, as the Lord, the God of your father, has promised you in a land floating with milk and honey. This second 
second section of my message, Moses is describing the results in obeying and fearing God. And there are three benefits. One is long life, two, good life, and three, abundant life. You see, God's Word is a manual for life. God made it very clear how we can have an intimate relationship with God as well as those that are around us. He's the one that created us. He's the one that designed us. He knows us inside out. And he understands how we operate. The Word of God consists of the blueprint to life. Now, when I was in seminary, I purchased the first portable computer in 1982, made by Osborne. Back in that time, uh, this so-called portable computer, it was the size of a sewing machine. It was portable. And we had a screen that was five and a quarter inch. It was about this much. And we had the privilege of using floppy disks that could store 64K. Wow, we were so amazed. You know, if, um, if we were to just follow what the manual says, it works exactly what it says it will do. I push control P and it prints my page. Wow, amazing. Why does it do exactly what it says to do? It's because the one who wrote that manual is the one who designed that computer. See, life is like that. We can randomly punch the keyboard and nothing happens. And periodically, we get fortunate and it does what we want. But most of the time, it is a very frustrating experience. However, if we choose to read the manual and obey what it says, it will give us good and great results. Life can be long. Life can be good. When we follow the manual of life in the Bible, God also promised us abundant life. Jesus says in John 10.10, 10, he says, I give you life and life more abundantly. May we embrace God's word, the manual for life. Don't just read it, but practice it. Do it. Keep it. Apply it. We will experience fulfilled life because God is the designer of life. And he wrote the manual for us to enjoy life to his very fullest. Moses then goes on in verses 4 and 5 to explain the greatest commandments of all. And it reads in verse 4 and 5, is Hear, O Lord, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. Now, this, this verse has been called the Shema. 
from the Hebrew word translated here in the beginning of verse 4. This word here basically means to take heed, to listen closely for the purposes of obedience. See, hearing as well as obeying go hand in hand. You really have not really heard it unless you follow through and do something about it. Statement in this verse is a basic confession of faith in Judaism. Before giving the greatest commandment in verse 5, Moses makes it clear who God is. And it says, there is one God, and he alone is God. See, back in the ancient Near East, the surrounding nations were polytheistic, where they worshipped many gods. And all these gods act independently and not in harmony. Therefore, the pagan worshippers could never be assured that their God will protect them from the wrath of another God. There is much uncertainty for security. However, the Jewish people worship a monotheistic God. The Lord is one. He is the only God. He is the unchanging the unchanging nature of God makes him radically dependable. We also note here that the Lord is a personal God. It says, he is our God. He's not someone way out there that does not care about us. There is no other God beside him. He knows us. He cares for us. And as we understand who he is, God then commands us how we are to respond to this God in verse 5. We are commanded to love the Lord with all of our hearts, all of our soul, all of our might. Each of the Israelites is to love God with every fiber of their being, and it should be clearly demonstrated to their family members. Jesus also reiterated this great this command in Matthew 22, 37 to 40. It says, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your hearts, with all of your soul, with all of your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depends all the laws and the prophets. Jesus was saying that these two commandments is a summary of the whole law. A loving God with all of our being is the greatest commandment of them all. Now, the biblical the word uh, for heart uh, was less the seed of emotion as we tend to associate heart, but rather the, they, in, they interpret heart as uh, one that focuses on the intellect and will, 
It is, a, in other words, a conscious choice of ours to choose to love God. You know, when we love someone, we do some unusual things. We, we make ultimate sacrifices for the one whom we love. We have seen Jesus demonstrating his love toward us that while we were yet sinners, that he died on the cross to pay the penalty of our sins. You know, my, my brother, as um, he was um, growing up, he was dating to a young lady uh, up in the, the Bay Area when he was living in Los Angeles. And every Friday after work, he would make this six-hour drive up to the Bay Area in order to see her. He didn't get much sleep on Friday, but he gets up early on Saturday morning to spend the time with her. Then on Sunday, he would drive back to L.A., that six-hour drive he did that every week for 10 months. Now that is what you call love. It makes you to do unusual sacrifices for the one whom you love. And I have seen many members here that have demonstrated great love for God. I thank God. Uh, Lung Kai, who gets up early in the morning to drive the bus to Rice University to pick up the students uh, so that they can come to worship here. I thank um, Joey and Felicia up in sound booth and PowerPoint operator. They make sacrifices, make time to come to worship rehearsals, getting up early have another rehearsal before worship service. I thank Simon and Grace for visiting and encouraging my wife while I was away caring for my parents. I thank Betty for being available to teach last minute when a Sunday school teacher calls in sick. I know some of you and taking friends to the hospital in the middle of the night. See, all these acts are based on love. We're to make willful decision to love God with every fiber of our being, recognizing who God is and what he has done for us. Now, the key to being successful as they enter into the promised land is to obey the word of God and to fear God. God does not want us to stop there. He wants us to pass our faith down to the next two generations, first to our children, then to our grandchildren. Our, parents is, our parenting is not over when our kids turn 18. We need to continue to equip and to partner with our children to influence the next generation. As grandparents, we are to go beyond just helping with childcare or playing with our kids, our grandkids. May we 
be intentional Christian grandparents. We partner with our children to be a positive influence to their children. Well, how are we to do that? We look at verses 6 and 7. Moses explains, and it reads, And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach your children diligently to your you should teach them diligently to your children, and shall talk with them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. Before we can pass along anything successfully to others, we ourselves need to possess it. We need to embrace it. We need to practice it. It needs to be on our hearts. We have experienced it. We cannot teach others that which we have not learned. God's commandments are not just a list of do's and don'ts. It needs to be an integral part of our lives. It should be a description of who we are. Unless we walk the talk, our children will not follow us consistently. Lessons are more caught than taught. We must model intentionally to our children as well as our grandchildren. See, Christianity is not just a passive faith. It requires action in our part. See, the next generation needs to see their parents following Christ fervently as well as seeing them struggle in following Jesus. See, you know, we, we need to be authentic there are times that we struggle. May our children see that as well. May our faith be lived out throughout the week. Too often we tend to live we tend to live compartmental lives. On Sunday we behave one way and the rest of the week we behave very differently. We may fool those that might be sitting next to us in church, but we cannot fool our children and our loved ones. May we live out our faith consistently, whether we are at work, whether we're at church, whether we're at play, but most importantly, at home. Well, how do we go about doing that? May we cherish God's word by talking about it and obeying it. See, the kids knows what is important to us when we talk. When uh, they know what is important to us when we talk about it all the time. Do we talk about God? Do we share how God has blessed us? How God has provided for us? How God has protected us? How God has answered our prayers? Do we talk about God's word? Do we talk about how we practice God's word? Do we apologize to our kids when we mess up? By doing so, we show our kids 
that we fear God and love God. When we live out what we believe, then we can be effective in teaching and equipping our children. Well, how are we to teach our children? We're to teach them diligently. In the translation, it says, impress upon your children. See, our faith in God is so important that we make it a priority. It needs to be intentional and consistently done. This is serious business. You see, our moral compass has been distorted by our culture. And as a result, it is very difficult for children to keep their faith in the midst of spiritual battles at school and play. You might say, hey, yo, my kids, we're okay. We go to church. Well, I hate to um, disappoint you, but yet uh, there's a huge percentage of young people that grow up in the church that depart from their faith when they go to college. Too often our children only know about God, but not experiencing God personally. We need to have God to be an integral part of our lives. Parents are to teach their children, not the church. Children are only at church for a couple of hours a week, but they're at home the rest of the time, almost 100 hours a week. The opportunity is so mass, massively different between the two. It all comes down to being diligent, being intentional. Training our kids does not happen automatically. We as parents are to be the primary spiritual influencers, and we need to plan for it. Now, the job of the church, on the other hand, is to equip the parents, but it is the parents who implement the training. There's no shortcuts in training our children or influencing them. It will take time. Well, when can we influence our children? It should be done in an organic way throughout the day. We, we see that in these two verses. First and foremost, we need to be talking with our children. Unfortunately, statistically, parents only spend seven minutes a day in meaningful conversation with their kids. There's no way we can pass our faith along to our children this way. We are responsible for discipling our children. They are to be the most precious belongings to us. That needs intentionality. We need to be looking for opportunity to build deeper relationship. Looking for opportunity to talk about God. Looking for opportunity to talk about godly values. We need to be ready to share what God is doing in our life at any time. We're to take the time to teach them how to live according to the scripture 
and we have to live authentically in the very thing that we are teaching to them. We're to bring them up in the discipline and instructions of the Lord. Moses brings to our attention four time periods during our daily life that we can do that. Just first, when we talk with them, and we spend some time talking about that. And secondly, when we walk with them, I think one of the practical means in how we walk with them today is that many parents drive their kids to this activity or that activity. Now, that is gold. That time is gold. It's the time that you have with your child alone. You know, be mindful of bringing different things in the conversation. Try to be, again, as organic as possible. We can also, there are two other times that we can train our kids. It's, it's when we lie down and when we rise up. See, bedtime is tremendous time. Kids tend to be more open and willing to listen during that time as they wind down. Review the day. Thank God for positive things that have happened and things that are of concern. Lift it up to the Lord and pray. Pray together. And in the morning, when we start the day, start it with prayer. Pray with your child before he, he or she heads off to school. Or remind them maybe one value that they could remember, such as be kind to your classmate. Well, if the Israelites are to be successful in the promised land, they are to love God completely, which would motivate them to obey God's command and to fear God. To be successful in the long run, they must teach the next generation to do likewise. Just as Moses challenged parents to equip and to train their children, we recognize that one of our main goals in XCC is to equip our members to obey God's word and to fear God. And one of the most important equipping responsibility is to make disciple-making families. Let's bow for prayer. Dear God, we thank you for the family that you have given to us. And you have made it also clear that we have a responsibility as parents to teach our children to obey your word and to fear you. Not only to our children, but to, the, to our grandchildren as well. Father, we uh, praying to, as, as we look at our church, the importance of equipping, not only equipping uh, families, but equipping students, young adults, couples, families, retired members. Lord, uh, we are to equip all of them so that we can be an example for you that we can be ambassadors for you. We pray in Jesus' name.